So good evening everyone. This is Mel V. Coach Mel V from Rebirth Dimension on a Sunday evening. I'm supposed to be doing my test for my bachelor's degree for metaphysics, but I'm taking a break right now. And it seems that I am being pulled in some other different directions. So I think I'm just supposed to chill for the day. But I want to share something really quick. Um part of another testimony in my life. And it's also a part of my book, which if you go and read, um, it's called What the Hell, A Life Testimony. You'll get a, a really big picture of why I do what it is that I do. Um, it's tapping into the area of depression and suicide. So I am a victim. Well, now I'm not even going to say a victim. I am a survivor of attempted suicide. Um, I don't have a problem saying it though. Why? Because there are other people out here who, who need to hear about it and they need to know that they can overcome it. So upon, and I think this is in the book as well, but upon me, uh, let's just say, mind you that I did attempt suicide twice. Attempt, I said. Um, and you couldn't really tell that I was suicidal. Because I wasn't the type that really just, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to kill myself. I, I just didn't do that. I just, you know, it was just one of those fluke things. Like oh, one day I just knew, okay, forget it. I quit. You know, that was my way of doing it. I didn't just shout it out and tell no one until after the fact that I had taken the pills. Then I shouted out for help. So the first time, no one knew where I was. And the person that I did tell thought I was at home. And I sent, uh, he sent the fire fire department paramedics at, to the house. And I wasn't there. <laughs> I was at the pier looking out at the water taking the pills. So no one could stop me. <laughs> it's not funny. But it is my life story. And I can laugh at it now because it is my journey. Um, so you really have to pay attention. Because the triggers that we think may be there and the signs may not necessarily be the same signs because the one thing that I did learn is people who really want to attempt suicide and they actually succeed they don't tell you that's what they're going to do they're not going to say it those people who are con contemplating suicide and really want the help before they even step into the act of it they're the ones who are going to say something so Getting back to my story, the first time I kind of made my way through it, I told the person, but something in me was like, nope. So I went home. I drove back home, woozy and all drowsy and everything from the pills that I had taken. Obviously, I hadn't taken too many. I was able to drive back home, but um, I went home and I went to bed. Um, I would say about a year later, probably, or later on that same year, um, I attempted again, same thing. No one knew that it was something that I was going to do until after I did it. Um, and again, I, I was, this time I was at home about. And my son found me. He was about seven. He found me. He went and got help. 
I was on the phone with my cousin as well, talking to her, and uh, she couldn't do anything because she was all the way in Michigan at the time I lived in Mich- uh, California. So, but someone found me, and I was, uh, they called the ambulance. Ambulance came and took me to the hospital, made me drink this nasty charcoal stuff, substance to coat my stomach. I didn't have to regurgitate anything, which was a good thing. Because they gave me a choice. They said, we can either have you drink this car- charcoal mixture or or we can take you to the hospital and have you do something else. And that's even more painful. I was like, give me the charcoal. <laughs> I, did, I, I didn't like pain. So, I'm okay. Give me the charcoal. I'll do it. It wasn't one bottle. It was two bottles. Um, I think the thing that really woke me up from all of it was everything that took place from that point forward, you know, being in the ambulance, drinking two bottles of the nasty charcoal. Then they took me to the hospital and, you know, I felt like I was in a dream. You know, I was in the hallway on a stretcher with a, um, uh, uh, um, I can't think of the name of it right now, but the IV in my hand. And they were feeding me liquids and they are giving me Tylenol or something else, I think. Um, but the thing that really got me the most was when I had to get up and go to the bathroom. Now, mind you, this episode happened somewhere between 5 and 6 in the evening. Because I had just got enough work and I think I was tired or whatever. I don't know. I just had enough. And... Or either it was on a Sunday afternoon. I can't remember. Anyway, once I had got to the hospital, the realization, I'm on the gurney with the IV in my hand. And they had me handcuffed to the bed. And I'm like, really? Why are you handcuffing me to the You're handcuffing me to the bed. And I was like, oh, God, I feel like a criminal. And I'm really just depressed. I'm sad. I'm hurt. I'm hurting and... You're handcuffing me to the bed. I didn't get mad. I didn't get upset. It was just, you know, I'm noticing these things and reality set in. So they <sighs> let me loose to go to the bathroom. I came back. I handcuffed to the bed again. Later on that night, I was there until about 2.30 in the after evening. And even though I had taken the pills and my system was fine, they took my blood pressure, made sure everything was okay, levels and everything, they still, you know, have to go through procedures so I ended up being sent to the psych ward and uh, I felt like I was literally in a movie. You know, you see these things in a movie and you're going, um, what? So I got there and oh, well, the first thing I realized when they were taking me, I had to get into this van. I had my clothes on and everything. I wasn't in a gown. They let me get dressed. I think I I was dressed and um, I'm in a van and the van had one of those cages kind of like in it where you can't, you know, to the front of the van. So you were blocked off from the front and it just felt like, oh, God, this is surreal, all surreal. And then I get there and I go into this check in room. Before you even get into the actual war of it. 
there's this check-in room, this door, and then there's this hallway. So I go into this little office right inside the door. I mean, listen, I couldn't believe it was happening to me. I like, I'm gonna shake my head, I'm gonna blink my eyes, I'm gonna something's gonna happen, and I'm gonna wake up back home. Literally. And I'm sitting there and she's asking me these questions. And I swear I looked at her like this is a joke. Like, where is the camera at? Oh my God, this is not happening. I'm having an outer body experience. Seriously. Oh my. So she's asking me all these questions. I can't remember to this day what they were, but it was just odd. I'm like, I can't believe this is happening to me. So all these little things that are, I'm noticing like, okay, do I really want to consider this? Uh-uh. Anyway, going on with the story, I get in there, I get checked in. There's a lobby, another waiting room, a waiting room full of people waiting to be admitted for whatever reasons. And so I'm tired. They, it took them the longest time to see me. So I'm sitting in the corner. I knew this was nothing but God. I'm sitting in the corner, minding my own business on the bench. And, you know, I'm like, am I going to see the doctor soon? Now, mind you, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm tired. I just want to go to sleep now. So I'm seeing all these people coming in. I'm getting tired. So I said, okay, fine. The doctor isn't coming in here yet. I don't know what's going on. I'm tired. So I'm leaning up against the wall because I don't know these people. And, you know, yeah. So there's this lady that walks out. And she goes, she starts talking to someone else. And she says, hi, I'm Patty Hurst. So (laughs) I'm leaning up against the wall. All of a sudden, one of my eyes goes up. I want, she's who? (laughs) I can laugh at, I swear. (laughs) Who? (laughs) Wait a minute. I, I know about Patty Hurst when I was little. So, if you Patty Hearst, then she sure did go back some years, because good Lord. <laughs> but she said she was Patty Hearst. I'm telling you, I was tired. My eye went up. I'm like, oh, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> so, I'm trying to rest. And next thing I know, I had braids in my hair. Long braids in my hair at the time. So, then she walks over and looks at me and goes, are you Brandy? And I said, Lord, help me, Jesus. <laughs> She actually literally asked me, are you Brandy? And I was like, oh my God, why is she talking to me? <laughs> okay, that was the episode one. And then later on, I'm still trying to get some sleep. She walks off and they finally get her up out of there. And every now and then you see a couple of people come up out of the actual place where they have their rooms at. You know, who actually have rooms out to the lobby. Why are these people out of the lobby? <laughs> <laughs> Girl, you just let them roam around. Really? So, I, I can't sleep. I'm like, these people are crazy. I'm not crazy. I don't belong here. I can't sleep. I don't know who's going to pop up out of here. So, Lord have mercy. Anyway, okay, calms down. Then they bring another guy in. I think he was Haitian or something. So, anyway, he's a heavy set guy. Long, long way to here. Dark skin, very big, you know, um, and he was out of it. Okay, no. <laughs> Mind you, I'm still in the corner minding my own business. Still haven't seen a doctor, still waiting to see a doctor. 
what do they do to this man? I don't know if he was high on what he had, the substance that he had in his system, or they did it to sedate him. So he comes, they bring him in on the stretcher. He has a gown on, and next thing I know, they let him out onto the floor. What, huh? I see this big man up on the floor, and I'm like, okay. Still, another eye. I got my eye open again. I'm like, what in the world is happening? Okay, this big man is on the floor. They didn't just, you know, lay him out there. No, his gown is open in the back. So his rear derriere is out. And he's a big guy. So I'm like, okay. Alrighty then. <sighs> Taking a deep breath in again. Then all of a sudden, <laughs> out of nowhere, he's laying on the floor. He sits straight up. Eyes are closed. And I'm like, and he sits straight up. I sit straight up. <laughs> I'm like, okay, why is uh -uh. Next thing you know, he starts to spin around on the floor. And I'm looking over at the nurse's desk like, can y'all come get him, please? Please come get him. Literally. So next thing you know, one of the nurses came from behind the desk and they give him something. And I'm like, he's out again. I'm like, oh my God. Eventually, they moved him because I'm like, okay, by this time, I'm like halfway in tears. Like, this is not happening. But they, wait a minute, before they moved him, that's when the nurse came over after they gave him this crazy shot. And he kind of calmed down a little bit. So there's this, this intern or nurse or whoever it is that came over and started talking to me. And she's whispering to me saying, you know, how are you doing? I said, I'm fine. <laughs> at this time, after everything that I've already gone through, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at this man in the, in the, in the middle of the floor like, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm ready to go home. She's like, no. I said, yeah, I, I don't belong here. I, I'm serious. I'm, I'm ready to go home. I, I'm really, I'm, mm -hmm, I'm fine. I won't take another pill. You won't have to worry about me anymore. She said, no, I think we're going to keep you over for observation because you did take the pills. I said, <laughs> I just looked at her like, really? She said, because we want you to see the doctor for evaluation. I'm like, uh, do you know when the doctor's coming here? Because um, he's spinning in the middle of the floor and I'm kind of uncomfortable with this. She said, it's going to be fine. So eventually they finally, I don't know if he moved first or they came and got him or if they finally just came and got me and they didn't put me in a room because people who had rooms were those who were going to be staying there overnight. And I guess they have to do an observation of you first, an evaluation before they can assign you to your own room. All I know is I wasn't standing there with Patty Hearst. <laughs> So what they did was put me in the community room. Mind you, it was 2.30 in the morning by the time that they got me in there. So that night I laid in bed and I cried my heart out. The next day I got up and, uh, wow, uh, they woke me up and they, you know, it was kind of weird because they gave me a, a you know how the tooth, they give you the little pack of toothpaste and a toothbrush when you're in, in school, after you get your teeth done in school, and then they give you a little pack of toothpaste and toothbrush. You know, you're all happy, and all of a sudden they gave it to me, and I was like, I'm back in elementary school. Oh, my God. They didn't treat me, did they didn't disrespect me or anything, but it was just the fact that I'm like, how old am I again? Oh, my God. So, anyway, and it literally was a little kid toothbrush. I'm like, I can't believe this is, hap this is not happening to me still talking to myself so then all of a sudden they serve us breakfast we had pancakes and bacon 
on these little bitty cardboard tray plates or whatever they were pla I can't remember plastic or something and I'm sitting here just then they hand me my silverware my silverware was a spork and a butter knife you know the plastic kind and I'm just like a spork you gotta be kidding me I'm like how do you eat a pancakes with a spork a spork I'm like this is <laughs> okay take a deep breath Mel so then all of a sudden I'm minding my business just eating trying to eat what I my breakfast it really wasn't tasty or whatever I just didn't have an appetite first of all but this guy walks up to me and said do you want your bacon I was like oh <laughs> he asked me, do you want your bacon? I was like, no, here, you can have it. So I think I had a couple bites of my pancakes, and that was it. I just didn't have an appetite. Then we went to community center, and there's this one young lady in there, you know, where everyone's talking right before they have, like, a community chit-chat with everyone in the room, which was later on in the day, but, you know, where the counselors come in or whatever. And she was saying, I know how to get out of here. I ain't said nothing to her, but she's just talking. I mean, like she don't even, she, she's talking like she doesn't even belong in there. And she's like, yep, mm -hmm, this is what you do. <laughs> she said, you play, play, give them, tell them what they want. Give them exactly what they want. Act like you know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Play all the games they want. She said, bet you you'll be out here this afternoon. I didn't tell her anything. I had to start a conversation up with this girl for nothing. And this is what, what happened. She just but she was serious and, and there was nothing about her crazy so then i'm listening to her and listening to everybody else talk blah 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 so then they all of a sudden the counselors come in and everybody's in here and we got to say the serenity prayer and yada 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 and next thing you know it got to her i you know and um it got to her and then all of a sudden she went from the straight woman that i knew well i met 2.5 minutes ago well, five minutes ago, you know, telling me exactly how to get out of here. And she was so serious. Then all of a sudden, she went straight crazy. <laughs> she flipped the script so fast. All of a sudden, she's like, uh, I know, I know, yeah. Like she was talking to God. They were having this conversation. And the councils were like, they were literally like, come on now, come on, quit playing. And she was literally talking like she was out of her mind. And then when it was all said and done, after everyone, we had a whole session and everything. And, you know, the counselors were gone and we were back to just doing activities or whatever. She went right back to being normal. I'm like, what the? <laughs> and she was like, I told you. I'm like, oh, my God. So wait a minute. <sighs> Lunch came and then somebody, well, before that, I had seen a counselor, one doctor. And they're evaluating me. But the thing about it was, like I said, I did I did my own evaluation. I did my own, I treated myself through my own process of depression because while I was in there, you know, I'm thinking they're going to help me figure this out and why I made the mistakes that I made and did the things that I did and try to help me get on the right track. Nope. The first thing they did was, well, you knew you were wrong. Excuse me? And you shouldn't have did that and you knew better and blah, blah, blah. Not. You're better than that. You're strong. You need to find who you are on the inside. Nothing like that. If anything, they talked down to me more than they tried to edify me or encourage me. So that was the first doctor. So then we went to lunch. 
had lunch chicken something i don't know what else same guy do you want your chicken i'm like Damn, if you're gonna get away from me yes i want my chicken <clears throat> so i don't know if i gave it to him or ate it or not but i was like uh you know it's the fact that he was walking around asking people for their chicken the chicken what okay after that go see the second doctor same process i promise you not one time did they try to make me feel good about anything or tell me it's going to be okay you know uh yes you made a mistake you stepped in the area you, you know no one tried to figure out why i did it nobody asked any questions they were just you shouldn't have did it you were wrong blah 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 okay i don't like y'all right now get me out of here for real for real now <sighs> so i've had to deal with a lot anyway uh so by the third doctor Mind you, each of the doctors that I talked to wanted to put me on some type of a depression, depression, depression medication. And I both, I boldly declined. Nope. I, nope. I don't want any pills. Mm -mm. So by the third doctor, the same process, I was like, okay. And I remember what the young lady told me when we were in the community center. She said, this is what you do. So after the third doctor, I knew I didn't want to be in there anymore. I said, okay, I'm going to flip this around. So about 12 o'clock after lunch. We had to go and do some activities, and then they had another doctor come see me. Matter of fact, I think, let me take that back. By the first two doctors, I knew what to do. Maybe by the third doctor, I'm like, okay, I'm going to flip this around because I'm getting sick of y'all now. I told her what she wanted to hear. <clears throat> I said everything right. And she still asked me if I wanted some drugs. Nope, I don't want no drugs. I said, no, I was wrong. I shouldn't have did it. I shouldn't have took no pills. I shouldn't have did, my, did what I did to get myself in the situation. Blah, 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 blah. Ran it down to the nines. I said, I'm fine. I'm just, I just, I, I messed up. And so then we had to go into another room at Arts and Crafts. And I had to put together this box. I had to put it together and paint it and put art on it and, you know, decorate it. And then I had to do this other little puzzle thing and, I'm like, okay, this is just keeping me. In the meantime, I made an acquaintance. She had been in there for suicide, you know. Um, so, you know, made her acquaintance, talked to her while I was there. And I would say after all of that, they, I guess they were monitoring me to see how I was. I was quiet to myself, you know, didn't mess with anyone. So they said, okay. They finally called me over to the desk and said, okay, we're going to go ahead and let you go. In about an hour. So do you know anyone at home that can come get you? I called my uh, sister at the time and said, they're, 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 they're releasing me. I need someone to come get me. So I was in the psych ward from 2.30 in the morning to 2.30 in the afternoon. Mind you that I was still suicidal when I left out those doors. I was more depressed than I was suicidal, put it like that. I, I just wanted the world to stop for a minute until I can figure it out but that wasn't going to happen I was still depressed but with everything that I went through I knew that I didn't want to go through that again because that seemed worse than anything in the world than taking pills going through the, oh heck no nah, I ain't mm -mm, nope I'm done you know you have to take run it down charcoal swallowing charcoal handcuffed to the gurney uh, 
asking kind of spinning man, Patty Hearst, Brandy, do you want your bacon, sporks? You know, you want drugs? You, sh you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm over this. I don't care what it is I need to do to get over what I'm going through right now emotionally and mentally. But this is not the way. So why did I share my story? Because there are a lot of people out here dealing with suicide or uh, dealing with depression initially and also contemplating suicide. Like I said, I beat it. Kind of, sort of. But I did beat it. I didn't cross over into the other land. I didn't transition over. But through my bouts of depression, I fought it. And I fought it hard. And I didn't give up. And I just did what I needed to do to recover. And I did go through phases. Depression, sadness, anger, blame-placing, mis misplaced anger. And then the final one was where I looked at myself. And the hardest part was forgiveness. Forgiveness of others and mostly forgiveness of myself. Because when it came down to forgiving others, it was like, what, huh? I got to do what? And it's not an easy thing to do. But it had to be done. And the last thing was forgiving myself. Because even when I was forgiven, I couldn't forgive myself. I cried endlessly. And I would say that happened in 1998. It is 2019 now. And I have to say that everything that I've been through, I finally can say that the wave has passed. And I can look at the situation and I not break down and cry. And I'm okay with it. And in the midst of those, these years, I've also written a book about my life. And um, decided to share that. And sometimes when individuals decide to write books on what happened in their life, you may have those in your family. You may have those that are friends that will deny what you went through. They will say it's not true. They will get mad and tell you not to say you should have said it. You should have done this. But the thing about it is, it's not their life to dictate how you live. It's not their life to dictate what you're supposed to do. It's not their life, period. So however you need to get healing, that's how you deal with your healing. But just know there's a way to overcome it. You know, there are ways you can find someone to talk to. Sometimes there isn't, it isn't easy to talk to people because sometimes you don't have the words. And... People to sit up and say that those who have attempted suicide and made it, and that sounds kind of crazy, but crossed over, they were selfish. No, they weren't selfish. You're being selfish because you, you're thinking of yourself by saying that they're selfish. When you're in that deep of a depression, you're not even thinking about anyone because it hurts too much to think. It's too much to even try to breathe. It's a place that you never want to be in because you can't find your way out. So, no, you're not thinking about anyone else. You, you, you don't even, you're not even thinking about yourself because if you were, you wouldn't be contemplating suicide. So, back off of people like that. You don't understand unless you walked in those shoes and I guarantee you, you don't want to do it. And I commend all of those who have come out of it who have made it through and you can look back and say, okay, now I can extend my hand and help the next person. So that's why I wanted to share it. 
suicide and depression are on the ramp on the on the rampage but there is help out here so don't give up in life on life because you have a journey and it's yours to make it or break it i love you all have a good day take care make this a good week and if you see someone and you don't even know them just stop and say hi you don't have to have a conversation. Just say hi because you never know. That person may be con- contemplating suicide. And just the fact that you even paid attention to them, stop them. Open the door for someone. Say thank you. It's the little things that matter more than anything in the world that can change a person's life for the better. Take care and God bless. Have a good day.